good morning. Let's open in prayer today, and we'll ask God to bless. I'd encourage you as you think about uh, the worship today and that song we sang, that's a real day that we'll stand before Jesus. And uh, whatever trial you might face or difficulty today, it's all we're all headed for that day. If you know Christ as your Savior, you'll stand before Him. The Bible says that now I know, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I, also, shall I know even as also I am known. So let's, let's go to prayer together. One special prayer request, we want to lift up Jane Varno. If you hadn't heard, Jane uh, took a fall yesterday and uh, broke her arm. So she'd appreciate your prayers as she recovers, so we'll, we'll lift her up in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the uh, time that we've had today already. I thank you, Lord, for your word and how it speaks to us. I thank you for just the fellowship of your people. We're all gathered here, not just as friends and neighbors, but Lord, we're gathered here as brothers and sisters because of our relationship to you. And so we thank you that you're our father and we have this uh, kinship one with another. So I pray that this would just be a great day. I pray that the, the service would uh, glorify your name, that you'd be honored. And I do pray for the various needs of our church this morning. I think of Jane, and I pray that you'd help her as she recovers this morning. Please uh, give her a um, relief from pain and comfort, Lord. I pray that you'd help her to uh, just have a speedy recovery, to be encouraged. For others, Lord, I know that uh, some are homesick this morning, and I pray that uh, you'd bring them, you'd restore them to health quickly. And we think of others who may be facing trials today or difficulties. I pray that uh, you would lift them up, that you'd strengthen and encourage them. And once again, most of all, please accept our worship today from humble hearts. We love you, Lord, because you first loved us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter number 5, Matthew 5 this morning, and I'd like to talk to you about the difference makers, making a difference. We're in our series in the book of Matthew, Kingdom Living. We're looking at what life looks like as a part of God's kingdom. There are two kingdoms in this world. There's the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ, and there is the kingdom of darkness, and really, all of the decisions and all of the situations that you see, they boil down to that. And so what we've been looking at are these themes of the book of Matthew, and they all center on the kingdom of God. So let's say our theme verse together. I'm going to ask you to say it with enthusiasm and energy as we try this. It's Matthew 6 and verse number 33. Matthew 6, 33, you probably know it. But if not, you'll learn it if you stick with us in this series, because we're going to say it every week. All right, begin. Matthew 6, 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. It's a wonderful verse to orient your life. We worry about all the things in the world, but Jesus says, seek my kingdom first, and all those things will fall into place. So it's usually my goal with a series that you have that verse memorized, and uh, it's, I think that you will. It's a pretty simple one. Well, we've started by looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and I won't say a lot of background on the Sermon on the Mount, because we did that for the last two weeks. So we'll just dive right into this passage, these four verses, verses 13 through 16. So we pick up after Jesus spoke about inside-out happiness. That was our theme last week, and the Beatitudes, the blesseds that you find in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. It talks about how you find your true happiness, not from circumstances outside, but from a peace that God puts inside. And we had a good time looking at that. Well, now he gives a little bit of a pointed message, and he talks about making a difference. Now, I want you to look at verses 13 through 16. We'll read this whole passage and then work through it. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth, could you say it with me? It is thenceforth, what? 
good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. So you saw verse number 13, right? You are the, you're the what? In verse 13, you're the salt of the earth. And now at the beginning of verse 14, you are the light, salt and light. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Well, as we're going to begin to understand this passage, if we go back to verse number 13, we've got to answer the question, first of all, the most important question is, who is he speaking to? Jesus says, ye, and that's a plural pronoun. He's speaking not just to an individual you, but he's speaking to a plural group of you. So he says to them, you all, you are the salt of the earth. But there's the possibility for the salt to lose its saltiness. So the first question is, who is Jesus speaking to? Well, I want to give you this this morning and answer the question this way. Jesus is speaking to his kingdom people. Remember, this is a kingdom message. He says, ye are the salt of the earth. And I want to say by introduction that God has always had, God has always had a kingdom people. Now, as we've looked at this, one thing that we, we said was, as we think of the kingdom, we need to understand what we're talking about. The kingdom does not equal the church, although the church is part of God's kingdom purpose. We're going to see also that in the Old Testament, the kingdom was the nation of Israel. But the kingdom is greater than Israel. The kingdom is greater than the church. The kingdom is God's work in the world, calling people out of darkness into his realm of authority, into his realm of blessing. So the kingdom of God encompasses all of the people of God throughout all of the ages in the past and for all of eternity. God is building his kingdom in the world. And therefore, he's always had a kingdom people. In the Old Testament, it was the nation of Israel. And then it, it was seen in the nation of Israel. In the New Testament, it's seen in the church. In fact, I wanted to share with you from the very beginning, the first book of the Bible in the book of Genesis, I want you to see God beginning to call his kingdom. Look what he said in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now, this is way back at, at, in, the first, uh, in the first pages of human history. God is calling a man Abraham. And Abraham is the one that would establish the nation of Israel. Now, the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. Now, I want you to pause there for a moment. You see, God is establishing a nation. He's using Abraham. This is the history. If you want to understand the history of the Bible, one of the beginning movements in the narrative of Scripture is that God begins to call a family. Abraham is the patriarch of that family, but eventually that family would grow into what we would know as the nation of Israel. But the calling of that family was not just for that family. The establishing of the nation was not just for that nation. That nation would serve a kingdom purpose. Now, understand, because this is going to be significant in a, in a few minutes. The nation served a kingdom purpose. You say, what, what do I mean? Because it's not, just a, it's not just about the first part of verse number three. If you excuse me for a minute, Aaron, could you grab me a glass of water? I'm having trouble with my throat this morning. Thank you. So if you look back at verse number three, 
the first part is about the strength of that nation. I will bless them that bless thee, curse him that curse thee. But the second part is about the kingdom purpose for that family, the kingdom purpose for that nation. And in thee shall who? How many families? All families of the earth be blessed. Now, how would Abraham's family that becomes Israel bless all of the families? Well, the kingdom purpose of Israel was to bring Jesus into the world. So Jesus comes in and through the nation of Israel, the blessing comes. So do we understand this morning that the purpose of Israel was not just Israel? It was for the blessing to the whole world. It was for the establishing of God's kingdom. Thanks. You see, God's people are called to be difference makers. The purpose of Israel was to be a blessing to all the nations. The purpose of the church is a similar mission. Go ye therefore into all the world. Teach, he said, all nations. The purpose of the church is similar. It's, it's actually the purpose is the same as what the purpose for Israel was. It is to go into the world and bring people into the kingdom of God, to do the kingdom work of God. You see, it has to be, and this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. God's people called to be difference makers. We make a difference. Now, the last thing I want to say in your introduction is it's important that we distinguish between an inward focus and an outward focus. An inward focus or an outward focus. You see, what happened, if you look at the, the history, and when Jesus came, what happened to the nation of Israel at that time is they had lost their kingdom purpose. They had forgotten what the promise was. They were not living their kingdom purpose. You see, they thought that their purpose was them and themselves. That they were it. That because they had received all of these promises, because they had received all these blessings, because God said, you are my chosen people, they had begun to think that that's what it was all about. It was all about us. It was all about Israel. We are the chosen people of God. And they turned their focus in on themselves and they missed the kingdom. They missed it. In the same way, Christians and the church, if we are not careful, we can begin to develop an inward focus. Where we are the people of God. We have received the blessings. And we all come together. But we can forget that salt and light do not exist for themselves. Think about that for a minute. I read a quote from one pastor, and he said, he said this, No one likes salt. No one enjoys salt. And you're, you're squinting at me, Adam, like you have trouble with that statement. Yeah. They like the food that the salt helps. They like the steak that the salt is applied to. They like the meal to which the salt is added. The point is, the salt does not serve itself. It's there, it is there to enhance or to make, could we say, to make a difference to what it's applied to. It's the same with light. What does the light serve the purpose to do? To illuminate something for us, something that we would like to see, something that we would like to enjoy, or a place that we would like to go. It's an outward focus. Salt and light do not exist for themselves. They exist to make a difference in the place where they are applied. So I just want to ask you, if you belong to the kingdom of God, if you are a child of God, are you a difference maker? Could you leave today, or did you? if I asked you the question, where are you making a difference? Some of you, I know for a fact, you could point to multiple places where you are making a difference. 
And I want to encourage you to keep on making a difference. In fact, I, I, most of, one of the hallmarks of our church, and it has been throughout all the years that this church has been established, is we have always tried to remind ourselves of this principle that we are to be others-focused. We are to be outward-focused. We exist for the glory of God for the, and for the evangelism of our community and the world. So I want to encourage you who are on that mission to stay engaged. And those of you who may, you may find yourself drifting back toward the inside, you, you may need to be reminded today that Jesus called you to be salt and he called you to be light. Let's think a little bit more about the salt of the earth. If you want to follow along on the inside here of your notes today, the salt of the earth is in verse 13. You, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, if the distinction is no longer there, if the taste is gone, wherewith shall it be salted? Uh, that statement there, that question, how is it going to be salted? In that, I see the, the heart of God, the heart of Jesus for this world. What does Jesus want to be happening in the world? He wants the difference to be made. He wants us to be his hands. He wants us to be his feet. He wants us to bring that savor to the world. So I see a little bit of sadness. I read a little bit of sadness. If the salt loses its distinction, if the salt loses its savor, how? How is this world, how is the difference going to be made? And then the salt loses its purpose. A couple of things I wanted to make a note of today. First of all, Think about this, when it comes to the salt of the earth, and think about salt, and Jesus uses these, these, very, familiar, these very familiar illustrations for us. It doesn't take much salt to make a difference, does it? It doesn't take much to make a difference. Just a little bit. Just a little bit, properly applied, in the right place, can make all the difference. You know, God doesn't need, God has never needed a majority to make a difference. We're coming into an election season, and I just want to remind everybody that God doesn't need, that the, the Christian, Christians, we don't need the White House to make a difference. And we don't need a majority in Congress to make a difference. We don't need... And I'm speaking to, to you and, and myself. We are exiles in a not very Christian culture where we live. Just regionally in this area where we live. It, it, this isn't a place that is overly Christian. Let's put it that way. We don't need to be a majority to make a difference. You see, just a little bit of salt applied in the right places can make all the difference. This has always been the way of God's people. I wanted to show you both an Old Testament passage and a New Testament passage to encourage you. And listen, you don't have to, you don't have to be a big deal in the world's eyes to make a difference. Every single person has just what God wants them to have in order to make the difference that he wants them to make. You've been given the skills you need. You've been given the background that you need. You've been given the money that you need to make a difference. Did you ever stop and think that if you're walking with God and you're submitted to his kingdom, that, I know I just said it, but I want to say it again. Stop and think about it. In whatever situation you are in life, with your financial status, with your health status, with your job, whatever, all the areas of your life, God has given you everything he wants you to have right now. If you're walking by faith and obedience. Now, of course, if you're living in disobedience to God, and not, then, then no, you're missing out. He's got a whole lot more for you. But if you're walking by faith, God has given you what you need. And when you use up, when you use up everything that you've got, when you use up everything you've got to make a difference, and you're living by faith, and you're like, I used it all up. What's he going to do? He's going to refill. He's going to replenish. He's going to give you, he's going to give you exactly what you need. We have everything that we need. 
And he reminds us that God, we're reminded all throughout the Bible that God specializes in taking a little bit and making a big difference. Deuteronomy 7, verses 6 and 7. We don't quote from Deuteronomy a whole lot, but look what it says. To Israel, he said, For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself, above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because ye were more in number than any people. For ye were the fewest of all people. He took the smallest nation and he brought his son into the world through them. In the New Testament, Paul speaks to the Corinthian church. And I always got a, I got, I got a little bit of humor out of this passage. Look at verse, 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 27. This is more in our context and in the situation that we live in the New Testament. To the New Testament kingdom, people. For ye see your calling, brethren. Now, you've got to understand what he means by that. That sounds very spiritual. For ye see your calling, brethren. Basically, what he's saying is, hey, look around the church, Corinthians. He says, look around the church, and what are you going to see? And he's not about to compliment them, but he's, but he's about to encourage them. He says, look around. Not many. You'll see the ones who are called. The ones who are called by God, brethren. How that? Not many wise men after the flesh. He's like, you look around, and you don't see many people that the world would think are the really smart ones. Not many mighty after the flesh. Not many noble. There's not a lot from the, from the, the cream of the crop of the upbringing. What is he saying? The Corinthian church was just filled with regular folks. Just ordinary people. We live in a day of, we live in a culture of celebrity. We do. Where we all seek validation. We want to be thought of as important and highly regarded. And whatever we're working on needs to be the biggest deal. But God's, Paul reminds the Corinthians that not many mighty, not many noble are called. Verse 27. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. It doesn't take much to make a difference. Just the right amount of salt applied in the right places can make all the difference. Hey, be a bold flavor in a world of bland imitation. Be a bold flavor in a world of bland imitation. Anybody, anybody can blend in with the crowd. It doesn't take, it's not impressive. It's not impressive to imitate the popular person or the, 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 the flow. It's, it's not, there's, it doesn't take any distinction. It doesn't take any faith to imitate your favorite influencer. But it takes courage, it takes faith, it takes the power of God to stand out and be different in a world of imitators. You know, I think Christians, we have allowed the world, we have allowed the, the, the world to rob us of the belief that it is a flavorful and exciting life to live for Jesus. That there, is a, that there is a blessing and a happiness that the world cannot understand. But what happens is the world out there wants to convince you that, well, you need to, you need to do things the way that we do it, and then you'll have a good time, and then you'll have fun. Well, some of you have tried that, and you've found that it has only left you wanting. Jesus says, be bold, be different, stand up, stand out. After all, if the salt have lost his savor, if Christians just blend into the world to the point at which we become indistinguishable, then how will the world, how will the difference be made? Jesus puts, a, he puts a, an obligation on us to make that, that difference. 
And then, as you think about the salt of the earth, don't lose your purpose. Don't lose your purpose. Do you know a lot of Christians that end up, that end up falling away? And I don't necessarily mean falling away from the faith. But a lot, a lot of Christians that fall away from a faithful Christian life, they fall away from regular church attendance and time with God, and, and they, they, they just kind of phase out over time. Do you know often why that is the case? Because they've lost their purpose. They've lost their purpose. See, if your Christian experience turns inward, if your Christian experience turns only inward so that it's about how you felt at the worship service or what you got from the message or how those people helped you or didn't help you, if it turns in, if you turn in on yourself, Jesus tells you that's a recipe for a meaningless and purposeless life. You see, but what the church is supposed to be, what the feeding and the nurturing is supposed to result in is we all receive from the Lord, we receive from one another so that then we can go out and pour what we've been given into the lives of other people. So we come into this place, let's just use this as an example, we come into this place, we worship, we grow, we have fellowship, we're fed, and then we go out and we spend it all, all week long, as the salt of the earth, only to come back in and be nourished again, be filled up. But if all we do is receive, then what will happen is we'll lose our purpose, and we'll begin to drift away and fall away. And Jesus puts it very bluntly and a little bit brutally when he says, he says, if you lose your distinction, if you stop functioning as the salt of the earth, that salt is good for nothing. You may as well, you, if in, a, in the illustration, you may as well take that salt, which was very valuable, by the way. In the days of Rome, you could be paid in salt. That salt that was very valuable, if it lost its distinction, if, it's, if it lost its impact, you may as well take it and just dump it out. Now, I don't think Jesus is saying, I don't think the point is that, that you, a Christian or a kingdom person who stops living for God, that they are worthless. That's not the point. But I will tell you this, you will feel worthless. Now, you will still be loved and cherished and valued by God. But until you are doing what he's called you to do, you will not be fulfilled without that sense of purpose that comes only from doing what he's called us to be. Kingdom people have a purpose. We're the salt of the earth. But secondly, we see that we're the light of the world. Not only the salt of the earth, but the light of the world. Verse 14, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Could you imagine if Jesus in physically came into the room this morning? Like he walked in from the back, and I very quickly and promptly stepped down and sat in the pew. That happened, by the way, in real life to people. He would come in. But you can imagine, can you imagine if that happened this morning? And could we for a moment let him do that right now? And realize that when he gave these words, often it was not to groups of people much larger than this crowd here. Sometimes he spoke to thousands of people, but sometimes he just spoke to a group of people in a room at a meal. And he says to his disciples, he says, hey, Jesus, if you were to come up here this morning and we were to listen to him, and he, just, and he said to you, you... You're the light of the world. How would you feel? What would you feel in that moment? You're the light of the world, he says. You're like a city that's set on a hill. Nobody can hide you. You're a candle. And you give light to the whole room, to the whole house. How would you feel if he said that to you? Well, you'd probably feel pretty important. Us? You're talking to us? He's talking to you guys. He's talking to me. It's like, you're my light. 
I would, at a moment, I would feel, I don't know about you, but I would feel very, like, wow. And then I would feel, whoa. I would feel very important, and then I would feel a little bit of pressure, <laughs> wouldn't you? Like a little bit of responsibility. But that's what Jesus is doing this morning. He's walking into the room. He's reminding you, you're the light of the world. The world. The whole world. Yeah, but the world is pretty dark. Have you noticed? Have you noticed that the world is pretty dark? In fact, I've discovered Christians nowadays, not, not you all, of course, but some Christians nowadays specialize in talking about how dark the world is. We're experts on the darkness. We can tell you about the darkness in the schools. We can tell you about the darkness in, in liberal churches. We can tell you about the darkness in, in the Democrat Party. We can tell you about the darkness in the Republican Party. We can tell you how, about how dark the colleges are. We can tell you about how dark the universities are. We are experts on the darkness. We even have conferences on the darkness in analyzing, well, it's a little bit darker over here than over here. We're so good at understanding how dark it is. Listen, the world's always been dark. It's dark. It's dark. We're not here to, to examine the darkness. We're here to let our light shine. And I know it's, it's, it, it's a bit of a trite expression, but I, I still like it. The darker the night, the brighter the light. That's all we are. We're not called, we're not, it, doesn't take, it doesn't take a lot of salt to make a steak taste great. And it doesn't take a lot of light to confront the darkness. Now your candle, your candle might not light up the whole room, but wherever you take that candle, whenever you walk with your candle, do you know what happens to the darkness in your space? What happens to it? What's it do? You're like, boy, I don't know how to say what it does. You know, we talk about what the light does, but what is the, poets have said it, songwriters have said it, what does the darkness do in the presence of the light? It flees. It runs. It, it, it gets away as fast as it can. And so while your light may not brighten the whole space, wherever you go, the darkness is repelled by the light of Jesus because you are the light of the world. And when you walk with Christ, and when you're filled with the Spirit, it's not something you do, it's who you are. It's what you are as a Christian, the light of the world. The world is dark. In the same, within breaths of Jesus saying, within a, within a breath of Jesus saying, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Within seconds of that statement, Jesus says, oh, but this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world. And men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Jesus said, expect to go into a dark world. But please remember, Christian, our job at our, at our workplaces, in our schools, on social media, everywhere we go, in our community, our job is not simply to talk about the darkness, but to shine the brightness of Jesus. You can make a difference. Not because, of, not because of any particular talent you have, but because Jesus lives inside of you. And you're a child of the King. You take his light wherever you go. Jesus would say in other places, I am the light of the world. So when you bring Jesus, you bring the light. The world is a dark place. In fact, you and I, we used to belong to the darkness. Do you remember that? That you used to belong to the darkness? I've heard it said this way. Don't get all worried about what sinners do. Because sinners do what sinners do, which is what? Oh, you figured it out. And they do a really good job of it. Because that's who they are. And there was a time in my life, and there was a time in your life, where you were... Now, am I saying that I don't sin anymore, for those of you that understand? No, I'm not saying that. 
I still commit sins, but I can no longer be identified as a sinner. You cannot point, this is important, don't miss this. You cannot point to me and accuse me of being a sinner. Say, yeah, but I saw you sin one time. Well, probably more than that. You say, yeah, but I saw you sin. Doesn't that make you a sinner? Nope. It used to make me a sinner. Because I used to belong, remember there's two kingdoms? I used to belong to one kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of sin, the kingdom of Satan. But one of my favorite verses is found in Colossians. Colossians 1, 12 through 14. I want you to listen to this. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet or acceptable to be partakers of the inheritance of the, three words, same with me, of the what? Saints in light. I am not a sinner. I am a saint in light. That is my identity now. I have been made acceptable. That's what that word meet means. Suitable. I have been made suitable. I'm not suitable in and of myself. This is the gospel. Because I am sinful, because I am a sinner, I am not suitable to fit in God's kingdom. I don't belong there. I don't deserve to be there. But I have been made meet. I have been made suitable to partake of the inheritance of the saints in light. Well, how did it happen? Because, verse 13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. That's a, what a great verse. Delivered from the power of darkness, translated. That means I've been made into a different kind. Different kind of what? Literally a different kind of being. This is, this is salvation in Christ. Not that I make myself worthy, but because of Jesus. Jesus took me out of the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of darkness, and he didn't just pull me out and put me in another one, but as he removed me from that kingdom, he changed me supernaturally into a new type of being, into a spiritual being who's been saved, who's been justified, who's been sanctified. I now have the Holy Spirit inside of me. I now have a new nature inside of me. And now, because of that, I belong to the kingdom of his dear son. I am a saint in light. And it was all because, verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. The world's a dark place, but Jesus has delivered me from the darkness. And because of that, I am called to shine. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men take a candle. They don't light a candle and put it under a bushel, but they put it on a candlestick. That's what Jesus has done. He hasn't, he's lit our candle, the candle of our lives. He's made us a saint in life. He's, he's lit a fire in us. And the fire he lit was to burn. And he took that candle and he placed it in the center. He, think of this too. Jesus placed your candle exactly where he wants it to be. Don't wish, listen, especially those of you who are young, don't wish to be in another place in your life. That's one of the things that will rob you of your purpose more than anything else. Don't wish to be in another place. Don't wish to be in another stage. Don't wish to, 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 to be at, at a place in the future. But be the candle that God has called you to be in the place where he has put you. So many people think, well, well if this would change or if that would change, then I would really shine. Then I could make a difference. Not only, as I said before, has he given you everything you need to make a difference, but he's put you exactly where you need to be to make a difference. Just shine where you are, and when it's time, he'll take your candle, and he'll relocate it where he wants it to be. But shine where he's put you. you say, well, how do I know if I'm supposed to move or transition or change? Because, you know, sometimes we have to make those decisions. We'll get to that in future weeks because it's going to be in, the, in one of the topics. 
But for now, just, just think of it this way. If you're shining brightly where he's put you, he will make it clear where you need to walk next. But shine where you are. Ephesians 5 talks about our responsibility as Christians and how we shine. Ephesians 5, 11 through 14, Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it's a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Just a quick note on this. Um, back to verse number 12. Just a quick note on this, and what you saw in verse 11 and 12. You don't belong to that kingdom anymore. Right, Christian? You don't belong to the kingdom of darkness anymore. So don't behave like you belong to that kingdom. Don't go back and you belong to the kingdom of light. Don't go lurking around in the darkness. There's a lot of dark places that Christians find themselves. Don't go back there. It's a shame to even speak of those things that are done in the dark places. We shouldn't find our conversations there. We shouldn't find our entertainment there. We shouldn't find our, our humor there. Verse 13, but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. There's so many beautiful passages about the light. And what do we see as the theme through all of it? We are just the candle. Jesus lit the candle. Jesus is the light. We are the candle. So the question is, where will you shine this week? Where is your light needed the most? I mean, really, ask yourself that question. I mean, you don't have to, of course. I can't make you do that. You could leave today and... This just be theory that like, oh, that was a nice thing. Or you could stop and you could ask yourself right now in this moment, you say, wait a minute, in my life right now, where is my light needed the most? It could be in your family. You may have an unbelieving family who needs to see Jesus shining brightly in your life. It could be at work. It could be in some friendships that you have. But there's somewhere that your light needs to shine. You are the light of the world. Remember, if Jesus walked in the room and he said to you, you're the light of the world, where will you bring your candle? Where will your saltiness have the ultimate difference? And that's the last statement I'll give you, actually. If you look at the back of your handout, the last statement I want you to think about, and we'll look at one final verse. We make the ultimate difference when we point others to our Father in heaven. We make the ultimate difference when we point others to our Father in heaven. Matthew 5.16 Let the light. Nope, didn't say that. Let what? Your light. Could you say it? Could you replace that with the personal possessive pronoun? My light. Could you do that with me now? Let what? Let. Let my light. So shine before men. I wonder if you could replace that word too. With wherever we just said, wherever just identified. Let my light shine before these people whoever it is in your life, so that they may see my good works. They'll see the way that I live my life. They'll see how I put Jesus first. They'll see how I treat others. Not just what I say, but what I do. What I do. They, little uh, saying that always stuck with me, your, your talk talks, right? You can talk big. Your talk talks, but your walk also talks. So make sure that your walk talks louder 
than your talk talks. Your talk talks and your walk talks, but make sure that your walk talks louder than your talk talks. For those of you writing that down, trying to parse and figure it out, it's not what you say that people will see Jesus in you. It's what you do. Now, if you never say anything, then they won't understand what you do. So we're not, we're not secret Christians that hopefully people will figure it out. No, we speak the name of Jesus. But he says, let your light shine in your good works and the way you interact with people and the conversations you have, the places you go, and the kindness that you show that they would see that and that it would do something in their life. You know what salt also does? If you have a lot of it, it makes you what? I heard it. If you have a lot of it, it makes you what? It makes you thirsty. And if the light shines, it shows you what step to take. Oh, that our lives would be those that make people thirsty to know more about God. That our lives would be bright so that people could see clearly how to know Jesus. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Our Father is on a kingdom mission. He sent the Son Jesus to die for the sins of the world. And then he called a people to spread that message, to let people know that there is hope. There is a way out of the darkness and into the light. And you and I are on that mission. We are called to be difference makers. So make a difference this week. But I have to ask you this. Maybe you still belong to the kingdom of darkness. Maybe you've never had a moment in your life where you saw that, wow, Jesus came to save me. Jesus came to rescue me. Jesus came to forgive all of my sins, to make me his child, to give me an eternity in heaven. Do you know Jesus personally? See, everything I've done today is talking to Christians how we can point other people to Jesus. Why is that? It's because Jesus is the only hope. Jesus is the only Savior. You can't save yourself. You can't be religious enough. You can't be good enough. You can only come to Christ and receive his forgiveness. Have you ever done that? Whether you're in this room this morning or if you're watching this message somewhere else today, have you personally received the gift of salvation? Received the light of Christ in your life? If not, I want to invite you to do that now. In your heart, just simply call out to him. We'll have a quiet time of prayer and an opportunity for you to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Would you please bow your heads with me and close your eyes? We're all going to go to prayer. I'd ask that we just have a still moment in the service right now. It's an important time. I finish always with two questions. The one is what I just said. Do you know that you've received Jesus as your Savior? If there's any doubt in your mind, if you say, Ethan, I'm just not 100% sure, well, why don't you make sure right now Right now, whether you're in the room or watching online, you can accept Jesus Christ. You say, how do I do it? Well, you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. The Bible says if you will confess with your mouth that you believe in Jesus and you'll believe in your heart that he's been raised from the dead, then you'll be saved. So right now, you could pray something like this. Just pray, dear God. I understand that I'm a sinner who needs to be saved. But I do believe that Jesus is the Savior. And I want Him to be my Savior. I repent of my sin. And I put my faith, Jesus, in you and you alone. Please save me. Please save me. If you pray that or something like that and you have a sincere heart to know Christ, the Bible says that that is all that is required to become a Christian. It's to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. 
If you did that this morning, I'd like to pray for you. Maybe you're in the room, no one's looking, but you'd say, yeah, Pastor Ethan, would you privately pray for me? I made sure this morning I put my faith in Christ. Anyone at all would just quickly and privately put their hand up and put it down, say, yes, I made sure this morning. Put your hand up, put it down. I'd like to pray for you. If you're watching on the live stream, send us a private message how we can help you grow as a Christian. So now the rest of us, and just, um, um, just for another minute, would you make the commitment to the Lord right now? I believe that God is speaking to hearts. I believe that you know where your light needs to shine. So as the piano softly plays, would you just spend a few minutes with the Lord and recommit that you'll be a difference maker. You'll be one that is a salt and light in the place where God has called you. Just take a minute and pray, and then Pastor Aaron will close this time in prayer. Let's spend time with the Lord. Father, we thank you for the message that we heard this morning. Lord, and for the challenge to be salt and light here in our world, Lord, where we live. Pray that we take that challenge with us throughout this week, that each day we would, Lord, just uh, be reminded that we represent you and that we, we represent your kingdom. I pray if someone in here doesn't know you as their savior, that today would be the day that they would put their faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You can also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.